0: There is someone in your life, at least one, with whom you have a very unhealthy relationship with, if not a completely broken relationship with. At least one person. For some of you, maybe multiple people. But at least one. And you probably won't have a hard time identifying who that person is. Spouse, a parent, a child, a brother, a sister, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker—you know—and and there was this thing, right, that happened. Maybe a long time ago, or maybe it was a series of things, maybe a pattern of behavior. Or maybe it's something that just happened. It's real fresh. But things are broken now between you and, and, and you just don't hang out anymore. It, you don't talk. You kind of keep your distance. You tolerate them at best. You avoid them, they avoid you. And it it may be because of something they did or said, or maybe because of something you did or said, but however you want to describe it, when it comes to your relationship with whoever that person is, the door's been shut. And they've written you off. Or maybe you've written them off. And, I, and listen, I know you got good reasons. I know they are good reasons. And, and I know if I, knew, if, if I knew your side, I would take it. I, I, I get it. I understand. That there's probably perfectly good reasons why you shut the door, perfectly good reasons why they shut the door, perfectly good reasons why the door is shut. And you just don't go there. And maybe you've worked so hard to keep it shut and bolt it shut and lock it shut and worked so hard to move on and move past it. See, the problem is in this series where we're talking about going to the next level, there is a level that God wants to take you to that you won't experience until you deal with the shut door. Again, I understand that that I am like kicking a hornet's nest, and now there's all this stuff buzzing around. This stuff that, and I get it, it's layered. I understand it's sticky, icky, messy stuff. I get it, I understand. That now there's going to have to be counseling. Thanks a lot. Right? Hang with me. Do do you, uh, and I know you have, you realize that we've themed this series, Level Up, with uh, kind of retro video game stuff, especially, you know, when it all got really going in the 80s. And I can remember as a kid in the 80s, and I know I look younger than that, but (laughs) I'm surprised. Every time I look in the mirror, it shocks me how young I look. But... I was a kid in the eighties and, and being a kid in the eighties, you know, this video game stuff is like, wow, here we go. And I wasn't a big gamer, but I played my share of stuff. And, and, and again, and I'm sure the same is true now for games and they're much more sophisticated and I wouldn't know how to play most of the games that are out there today. But, and, and just about all video games, you're at a certain level, right? And you get good at that level. And eventually you conquer that level and you have an opportunity to level up, to go to the next level. But in a lot of games, you only get to the next level if you go through like a door, right? And, and, and sometimes you crash through it, you jump through it, you you jump over it or whatever the game is. And sometimes it's a barrier. But for, for lack of a better description, let's just call it a door, <laughs> But the problem is, I'm not quite sure what's behind this door. I'm pretty sure if it's another level, it's going to be harder behind this door. The monster's going to be bigger. The dragon's going to be meaner. There's going to be fire. and, and, and Things are going to move faster. And so I'm like, ah. you ever felt nervous? You know, playing, it's just a video game. It's just, you're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And you open it. What's interesting is the reason you do this in the gaming world is because (laughs) the reward is greater behind the door. At that next level, you get more points. The points come in bigger chunks, right? And and you want to level up. You want to progress. And and that's why, have you ever had that moment where you were like so nervous to open the door in a video game? You're just like, well, I'm just going to start over and play this same level because I'm good at this level. I'm just going to stay right where I am. I'm good at this because I don't know if I want to open this door. Relationally, it's the same way. Now, with this relationship with this person where the door is shut, you need to understand that the current level that you're living, the shut door is holding you back. It's holding you back. And maybe holding them back. And it could be holding other people back that are watching this relationship between you and them and that are aware of the issues and that thing that happened that went down And you have a decision to make whether or not you're going to open the door. And yeah, there's scary stuff back there. And yeah, there's messy stuff back there. I I get it. I, I get it. And maybe there's more pain back there. But there's another level back there too. Through that door is another level for you, another level for them, another level for other people that are looking on. That God wants to take you to that you only get to i don't know what some of you are thinking because i think the same way you're going oh well that sounds good but uh, that's not going to work won't work i've tried see i've gone down that road before and they won't listen they won't listen and even if they do they won't change i remember what happened the last time i had that conversation i remember what happened the last time i tried to go down that road it wasn't pretty You might be right. All this may be true. However, this is the other thing I know. I know myself well enough, and I know people well enough, and I've done this long enough to know that even for Christians, and this is what's sad, even for followers of Jesus, we are way too quick to shut the door. It don't take much, not in today's world. It don't take much for some people to be like, oh, that's it. We're through. We're done. Oh, yeah, we used to be friends. We don't talk anymore. Oh, yeah, we used to, but we we don't. No, no. I've moved on. It doesn't take much anymore for us to just shut people out. Get this. Even people we say we love. But here's what you're going to learn. It's really hard to love through a shut door. And the problem is we call ourselves Christians. Now, I'm going to talk to Christians just a second. We call ourselves Christians, don't we? You know what that means. It means we're followers of Jesus. We're followers of Christ. It means the things he loves, we're supposed to love. The things he did, we're supposed to do. The way he lived, we're supposed to live because we're followers of Jesus, right? And here's the kicker. One of the most defining characteristics of Jesus is that he was a door opener. Which means you and I have to do the same and be the same if we're going to call ourselves his followers. Hang with me. Let me ask you a question. Did you know that God knows everything about you? God knows absolutely everything about you. There's nothing about you God doesn't know. Even someone who wouldn't believe in God or doesn't believe in God, like let's take an atheist, even they theoretically would agree with that. That if God exists, this all-powerful God would know everything. So, I mean, that's a commonly accepted thing. Whether you believe in God or not, okay? God knows everything about you. That is true. He has all the dirt on you. He has all the dirt on me. If you knew about me what God knows about me, you wouldn't come in here and listen to me preach, Oh, wait, wait, wait. But if we knew about you, what God knows about you, we wouldn't let you in to listen. (laughs) So we're good. We're square, right? King David said it like this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Do you know what this means? God has all of the evidence he needs on you to... Shut the door on you, lock it, latch it, bolt it shut, and never open it again. God's got all the evidence he needs. And who could blame him, right? Because he's God and he knows. He knows the truth. He knows the real you. He knows what's going on. So who would blame him? Because he's God. He's got all the evidence he needs. But is that how he treats us? Is, Is that what God does? No, he doesn't. In fact, that's why God sent his son Jesus to earth 2,000 years ago. He sent Jesus to earth to open the door. Jesus is the great door opener. In fact, Jesus called himself the door and the open way to God. Paul, the apostle in the first century, he puts it like this to a group of Christians in Rome. He says that God showed his great love because that's what it takes to open closed doors. I mean, you do that out of love, right? I mean, it takes great love. God showed us his great love by sending Christ, Jesus, to die for us. I love this. While we were still sinners, still messed up, still screwed up, still giving him one reason after another to shut the door and keep it closed, He sent us, Jesus, to open the door. And that's the way Jesus treated people. He opened doors. He opened doors that culture had shut. He opened doors that religious people had shut. He opened doors that people had shut on themselves. He just opened doors. And there's so many uh, examples of this uh, all throughout the scriptures. I want to just highlight one. I want to talk about one of his disciples, one of his closest disciples, Peter, just for a second. We talk about Peter from time to time. Peter was a big character in the New Testament. He's a big personality. Peter was high maintenance. Let's just say that. Do you know any high maintenance people in your life? Do you have any high maintenance? Okay, I just saw somebody look at someone beside them. <laughs> that is no, don't do that. That's gonna, lunch is not going to go well. Okay, just don't don't look at people. Come on, go fight (laughs) in church. High-maintenance people in your life. Peter was high-maintenance when it came to Jesus. I mean, he he was a hothead. Hair trigger. Man, he was just bold and brash and brazen, right? Even when he meant well, he seemed to do things without thinking and say things without thinking. There was this one time when a soldier was um, beside Jesus and Peter was pretty sure that the soldier had ill intent. And so, meaning well, protecting Jesus, he takes his sword out and whacks the guy's ear off. I mean, like, cuts it clean off. Probably aiming for his neck, but the guy ducks, you know, and it's like, ear falls to the ground. What's cool is Jesus picked the ear up, stuck it back on. I don't know if he licked it first, or I'm not quite sure what Jesus did, but, and I'm pretty sure that's the sound an ear makes when you stick it on, (laughs) Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus recorded that and in heaven, like we can pull that kind of stuff up and be like, do you see this? Do you see this? It's the kind of guy Peter was. Um, it, it culminated with Peter on the evening right, right before Jesus was crucified, where, where Peter was surrounded with a group of people that were talking about the current events and what was going on. And, and Peter felt threatened, evidently, Like, okay, they're getting ready to to murder Jesus, and I I need to kind of keep my distance because Peter was also selfish. Know anybody like Peter? The truth is there's a little bit of Peter in all of us. And Peter denied that he knew who Jesus was three times, back to back to back, and the last time he even cursed and said, I don't know who he is. Don't associate me with him. To make matters worse, after denying Jesus three times while Jesus was being crucified, Peter deserted him. Peter was nowhere to be found. Some kind of friend he was. And they buried Jesus. Nobody could find Peter. Peter's in hiding with the rest of a bunch of other people and didn't believe at that point that it was going to turn out so well. So if you're Jesus, if I'm Jesus, we would have every reason Shut the door on Peter. Oh, Peter, we're through. I'm going to get somebody else. I know. I'm sorry, Peter. You had your choice. You had your chance. Yeah, I'm giving you a choice. You chose wrong. Done. We're through. I mean, we're so done. Aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? Aren't you glad you're not Jesus? We shut the door on Peter. That's not what Jesus did right after jesus was crucified buried and rose again he began to physically bodily appear to his followers to let them know hey i did rise from the grave it's me you know here i am flesh and bone you can talk to me you can touch me we can interact with each other and it's real it's not a fairy tale it's it's not a ghost kind of thing no this is real deal i am alive and so one of those mornings, Jesus walks out on the beach. Peter's in a boat fishing because he had gone back to his old life thinking, you know, God's through with me. Jesus has done with me. He has shut the door. I'm going to go back to fishing. I'm going to go back to my old job. Jesus walks out on the beach. Peter recognizes his Jesus. He freaks out just like any of us would. When you see a dead man that's actually come back from the dead, you tend to freak. It's, it's a human thing. So he, he runs, he swims to shore and, and has breakfast With Jesus on the beach, pretty cool experience. And you would expect, you know, Peter's probably thinking this is is not going to go well. It's probably not going to end very well. But it's cool to see Jesus. Glad he's back and all. This is what Jesus said to Peter. Simon, which was one of Peter's names, son of John, do you love me? And immediately, you know how things go through your mind. You know, I I bet Peter, and we don't know this for sure because we don't know what Peter was thinking, but if I'm Peter, I'm going, are you serious? Are you serious right now? You're asking me if I love you. Like, Jesus, you know what I just did. He said, yes, Lord. You know I love you. What Jesus did not say was, well, it, Peter, what was that denial thing all about? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus said, okay, well, then feed my sheep. Now, we don't have time to get into all the details of what he meant by feed my sheep. Suffice it to say, when Jesus looked at Peter and said, feed my sheep, he was opening the door and letting Peter, Peter know. The door's open, buddy. That was Jesus' way of saying, I got a job for you to do, Peter. If you're ready to get back in the game, I'm going to send you in. In fact, he sent him in, not just to the game, but he gave him the play to run. He became quarterback, so to speak. And just a few days later, at the festival of Pentecost, it was Peter who led the charge, who kick-started the local church, one of the greatest days in the history of a local church. Peter was running point. And I'm sure there were people in the crowd going, is that Peter? Peter, I'll tell you what, I'd shut the door on Peter. And they marveled at the grace of God. I wonder if Peter, in those moments on the beach when Jesus said, feed my sheep, and I wonder if Peter, in those days of Pentecost when he was seeing God use him in great ways, I wonder if his mind reflected back to those moments right before Jesus was crucified when Jesus said this to him and the other disciples. It keeps coming back to this. I wonder if he thought about this when Jesus said a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And so I wonder if the light was beginning to come on for Peter And going, oh, I get it. I get it. Like I've loved you. Okay. So Jesus wants me to do for other people what he's done for me. When I have every reason not to, he wants me to open doors for people like he's opened doors for me. All right, I get it. I get it. Something else and then we'll move on. This is so rich, guys. This is so rich. John, another one of Jesus' disciples, was watching all of this for years. He'd watched it all, Peter and Jesus, and watched what Peter had done, and he was close friends with Peter, and John had recorded so much of this, and at the end of John's life, he was writing to a group of Christians in Ephesus, and he kind of summarized it like this. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. And John had to have been thinking, like he loved us. Since he loved us this much, like since he treated Peter that way and treated so many other people that way, he wants us to love each other that much. And then he says this, here's a mic dropper for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. It's a gut puncher right there, isn't it? Cause see we, and we'll talk about this some next week. We like to talk a big game when it comes to God. I do, you do. It's human nature. We like to impress other people, impress ourselves. You know, I love God and I believe this about God and all that kind of stuff. And I love God so much. And John would say, really? Really? Because you'd see you've never seen God and it's hard to love somebody you haven't seen. I mean, that's a challenge. It's just challenge. It's a human nature thing. It's a challenge to really love someone that you've never seen. And so if, but if you can't love your brother and sister whom you do see, how is it that you love a guy that you've never seen? This is another way of looking at what John was saying. You can't say you love God if you don't love others. You can't level up with God if you won't level up with others. You can't shut the door on other people and expect to express how much you love God because you are told to love each other the way you have been loved. Bottom line, what does love require, the love of Jesus require of us? It's for us to take the risk and simply open the door. Why? Because it's holding you back. Because there's a next level. There's a new level that God wants to take you that he won't be able to take you until you open the door. That there's a next level that God wants to take that person on the other side of the door that he won't be able to take them until you open the door. And there may be other people that are watching this that the, God won't be able to take them where God wants to take them until you initiate this process of opening the door. And then it got some of you thinking, nah, I'm good. I'm fine on this level. I don't want to do that. I know, but you're missing out on so much. Now, real quickly, let me caution you. This is not to say that you have to put yourself in a dangerous situation. You do not need to put yourself in a dangerous situation. If your life is in danger and you are dealing with real life-threatening kind of abuse, I'm not talking about the kind of abuse that everybody talks about. You know, everybody's a victim nowadays. You just look at somebody crazy and I'm abused, I'm abused, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Right? I mean, it rains. and they, you know, I'm a victim. Okay. Oh, hush. I'm talking about real stuff, right? If you're not in a safe place, get in a safe place. That's a different topic for a different day, and God has stuff to say about that, and we'll talk about that later. I'm talking about how quick we are to shut the door on people when things don't go the way we want, when things don't go the way we like. We are so quick to shut the door on them. Open the door. Take the risk. Some of you are thinking, yeah, well, it takes two, dude. It takes two. I'm surprised you didn't know that, Pastor. It takes two. (laughs) He's so young. (laughs) That I am. But I know that. Yes, it does take two for the relationship to be as healthy as God wants it to be. It most certainly takes two. And no, you can't control what they do, and you can't control their response. And no, you can't make them do anything that they ought to do. But I tell you what, you can do. Do you know what you can do? That God has for you to do. You can simply open the door. You can do that. I can open the door. I'm not in control of what happens on the other side of the door. It may be scary, messy stuff. I'm sure it's going to be harder. There probably is more pain on the other side of the door. There's a lot to learn on the other side of the door. Things move faster on the other side of the door. But it's also so much more rewarding when you go through the door. And you're not in charge of what they do. And you can't control it, but you can open it. I know, but dude, it's in the past. I know, it's messy doesn't mean you have to see eye to eye. It doesn't mean you have to agree. You may have to agree to disagree and there still may need to be boundaries that are put in place for healthy relationships depending on what happened and the way it happened, but you can at least open the door and be willing to work towards health and healing and next steps. Who knows what God might do? Who knows what God might do if you just open the door? Who knows what God might do in your life, in their life, and in the lives of others if you would simply just open the door? Let me show you what this looks like. You might want to take your phone out and take a picture of this. We're gonna give you two snapshots. I'm gonna give you a snapshot of practically the steps you take to open the door if You shut the door. If it's something you caused, it's something you did, it's something you said. Okay, so this is what you do. Let's just look at it. First of all, you invite the conversation. You let them know you want to talk about it. When they're ready to talk about it, you want to talk about it. You're willing and ready when they're willing and ready. You invite the conversation. No, you can't make them talk, but you you just want to communicate to them you are ready. If you shut the door, this is how you start. And then you're honest. You be honest. You don't have to pretend. You can be honest. Be honest about what you did and what you said and how you treated them. Be honest and ask for forgiveness. Ask for them to forgive you. I, I, know, I know they did stuff too. I know it's a two-way street. It takes two to tangle. I, I get all that. Don't worry about their end of it. You own what you said. You own what you did. If you have contributed to the door getting shut, you ask for forgiveness, own it. And this is so important. And we'll talk about this in another time, but in this culture, we have really, really, really messed up what forgiveness ought to be about. Okay. Forgiveness is not you saying, well, everybody makes mistakes. I've made a few. No, you don't get it, dude. Forgiveness is not regret. It's way beyond regret. Well, I regret what happened. Yeah, you're not a, that's not an apology. This is the way it sounds. Listen very carefully. I hurt you. I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? See? Ask forgiveness. And then listen. Because they probably got stuff they want to share. Listen more than you talk. As a matter of fact, you've probably said enough already. That's why the door shut. Listen. And change, make changes, make changes, make changes. Even if they don't respond, even if they don't reciprocate, even if they don't respond well, you change you. You make changes. And initially, if they're like, I'm not sure if they're sincere, I'm not sure if they mean it, the fact that you make changes in your life should help communicate the fact that you mean business and that you want this to be a healthy relationship again and that you want things to move in the right direction. Make changes. And be patient. This is probably going to take a little while. Probably not going to be done by like next Thursday. The deeper the hurt, the longer it can take. But if you've shut the door, this is what you do. Now let me show you another list. If the door is shut because they shut the door, because of what they did, because of what they said, it's a similar list with a few little tweaks. Let's look at it. It begins again with inviting the conversation. They shut the door. And this can be tricky. But you let them know, hey, listen, I would love for us to be in a better place. Uh, I would love to talk with you about this when you're ready. You invite the conversation. And you be honest. You be honest about what they did and how it hurt you. You be honest with how it affected you. You don't have to dwell on it, but you can at least acknowledge it and be honest about it. And then give forgiveness. This is huge. Give forgiveness. If they ask you to forgive them, forgive them. But here's the other thing you need to know. Christians listen very carefully. You forgive them even if they don't ask you to forgive them. Because they don't have to ask for forgiveness for you to forgive them. Because some of you are like, "Aha! I'll forgive them if they ever ask, but they haven't asked. (laughs) So I'm good. I get to hold on to this thing, man. This is, yeah. No. Do you know that God has forgiven you? The moment Jesus gave his life on the cross 2,000 years ago, your sins, the forgiveness of your sins, was taken care of before you were even alive to sin them, much less to ask for forgiveness for them. I want you to internalize that. And then we are told to love each other and treat each other the way we've been treated by Jesus. How dare forgiven people be unforgiving to anyone? Give forgiveness. Even if they don't ask, release them from it and listen. Listen more than you talk. It's always a good thing. Allow them to make changes. This is huge. Allow them to make changes which means you create space for grace. Yeah, there may need to be boundaries there depending on what happened and how it happened. I get all of that. There's still conversations. Healing is a journey. I understand all of that, but you've got to allow them to change. Allow them and stop holding it over their heads. And as soon as they have a bad day or they relapse in a moment, you're like, see, I told you, you're never going to change. Same old, same old. You know, when you do that, it shuts the door again. And start all over. Allow for them to change. And then be patient. Again, it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take a while. This is what it looks like to open the door. Now, lest you think that uh, these are just a bunch of words on the screen, that I don't have a stinking clue about what I'm talking about, I'm gonna let you know something. There is at least and primarily in my mind, one individual in my life that I'm having to wrestle about this with. The door shut. And it's shut primarily because of something they did a very long time ago. So this is real. This is real to me. And I am wrestling and struggling and working with what it looks like for me to take a next step And opening the door. So I feel this with you. I'm not isolated from this. I understand the mess. I understand the layers. I understand the risk involved in opening the door. But see, my job today is to just bring us to the door. You're going to have to open it. Maybe again. my prayer is that by God's grace and with God's strength and help, you will do that. You see, as followers of Jesus, we cannot be known for the doors we shut. We must be known for the doors we open. Because Jesus was a door opener. And we follow him. And right after he told his disciples, I want you to love each other the way I have loved you, he goes on and he says this, and this is how everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another (laughs) the way I've loved you. If you open the door for each other the way I have opened the door for you. Because it's really hard to love somebody through a shut door. May we do for others what has been done for us and simply open the door. So who is it? Who do you need to open the door with? I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to pray for yourself, and maybe the prayer sounds a lot like this: "Oh God, help me." That's a great place to start. Dear Father, what a punch in the gut! We we got to wrestle with this. I know it brings up all kinds of issues. It does for me too. I, I know. I know this ain't simple. This is not clean and easy, it's challenging. But there is absolutely no doubt that you were a door opener. Doors that no one could have blamed you for shutting and keeping shut. And then you tell us to treat each other the way you treat us. Which means we have to open doors like you've opened them for us. Even when we don't want to but especially when it's people we say we love. For those in this room that this brings up all kinds of pain, God, would you give them your grace and your strength? This is scary. There's fear on the other side of that door sometimes and because we're human. And and God, we we just get afraid. Father, may we see this as an opportunity to trust you with people whose relationships have been broken. And Father, I I need your help. We need your help. And help us to be known for the doors we open and never for the ones we close. In Jesus' name, amen.